everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. On this episode, I am glad to be talking with creator Duncan Rouleau. Duncan, thank you for jumping in and joining me and talking for a few minutes. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to be on. Well, well, thank you so much. Glad that you said yes. I'll start out by mentioning a couple of works that I know you best for. Of course, Ben 10 is one of those that that bubbles to the surface, as well as your work in comics across uh, titles like X-Force, Alpha Flight, um, Action Comics, Image as well. Uh, so you, you've created pretty widely, it seems. I've had a, a lot of different facets uh, to storytelling is almost always at the core of it but in a lot of different mediums i um, i live in los angeles so working in uh, i've worked in film and tv as mm -hmm. an earlier portion of my career uh then i got into uh comic books actually secondary <laughs> uh which i could tell that story how that happened is yeah. interesting because it, it involves neil adams so uh, that's always he's always a worthy topic of discussion um, then from the comic books, I uh, met the other partners in Man of Action. And mm -hmm. We decided to put together the company, and then we started working in animation. And then I was back in film again. <laughs> so I've kind of gone a full circle uh, on some of the different things, but always at the core of it is trying to tell a story, whether it was visually, because uh, inside of my skill set, I draw uh, as well. Uh, hanging out with three writers, I've had a master class and writing, working with them. That was not my background at first. I, there's a difference between having an idea and writing a story. There's a big difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I would say in the last 25 years or so, really learning that craft you know, um, to the point where now I'm working on a novel. So I always at the court, always trying to find a good story to tell. So, uh, so yeah, Ben Ten, and then the other one that is probably on the uh, on the high profile uh, side of things, Steve Siegel and I created Big Hero Six uh, mm -hmm. for uh, Marvel back mm -hmm. when we were working on Alpha Flight. So uh, that's another one that probably a lot of people have heard of, but. Um, so we could tackle any of those portions uh, if you'd want to. We could get into the different ones. But if I was to kind of break it up into chunks, it was a, a film and TV. I worked in production and a lot of different things, both mm -hmm. in front of the camera and behind the camera on a lot of um, a lot of feature, a lot of low-budget horror movies. I used to be the storyboard, resident storyboard artist for Full Moon, um, Full Moon Films. So... If you like those kind of slasher movies, like in all of the kind of creepy genre horror stuff from Puppet Master to whatnot, I did an awful lot of the storyboards for all of those uh, for all of those films. Nice. nice. And commercial work and whatnot. So just always tried to be involved in making stuff. Yeah. What well, what initially connected you with storytelling? What sort of grabbed you and uh, connected you to the written word and to creating? Well, the written word actually came a little later. Um, for me, the initial thing into telling stories is I came out to Los Angeles to be an actor. Uh, that was uh, my my uh, uh, training in college was I have a theater background. Um, I grew up in a household. Uh, my father was a graphic artist and my mom was an art teacher. So uh, arts in the house was a major aspect of just my growing up. 
Uh, I have three older brothers. Uh, all of them become lawyers and engineers because they knew there was no money in in <laughs> in art. But I think I was the youngest, and I followed in the family's footsteps. So my training for telling stories started very early, but it was visual, visual storytelling. My father was very giving when it came to being able to sit in the studio and see how he was putting together stuff. He worked as a commercial, uh, worked on a couple of different campaigns and things like that. So I saw very early on how to craft an idea, but through visual, through visual uh, medium at first. So that was something that was piqued my interest. But like anybody, I grew up in the Midwest, Chicago land area, like anything, you know, a few of those movies that were pumped out from uh, Hollywood drew me in like a moth to the flame. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I've always been a big lover of film and media. My my, my oldest brother, my oldest brother, and I uh, we filmed a lot. We made a lot of small home uh, movie adventure stories and stuff like that. So constantly constructing and telling stories. And honestly, I think it was just the household I grew up in. Yeah, um, it was just a big portion of it, and it was very encouraged. In what um what sorts of considerations or uh, approaches do you take as you move from, say, embodying a story as an actor to um, crafting a story visually to to drawing something, writing something, and kind of moving well, back and forth? That's a that's a really great question, and in the uh, the, the short answer is that each one of those disciplines, although it does tell a story, it is it is occupying a different almost environment inside of the story. Uh, so let's start with the acting. Um, think in general, an actor, you have to have uh, two sets of eyes. One, you have to be the protector and the understander of your role inside of the bigger story. So it isn't about how fancy and fantastical you can be and steal the show it is how much can you provide your character to telling the story with the uh, the you know the, the full emotional force so it is about it is about setting up parameters for yourself but also being a great defender of the character make sure that it, that character is true to the second set of eyes the bigger sense of the story it's something that a director is supposed to but I think everybody who's ever working on any kind of, whether it's on stage or in film, you as an actor at the very least should understand where you are inside of the bigger story and what is your purpose inside of it. Uh uh uh, What that does from a world building perspective is now as a writer, when you come into a character is to spend some real time and think of that character as an actor would. Um, you'll hear an awful lot of actors talk about uh, they didn't quite understand the, the character until they tried on a set of shoes or they um, put on a hat or they learned the walk or the posture and all of a sudden everything clicks into place and they really get an understanding of how the world has affected this person mm-hmm. and, and how those uh, how those uh, impressions and those elements um really uh input and then your output of how how you will deal with the reality around you so even as a writer you i think you need to spend some time with your characters and think like an actor would um i think at least for me it's been very beneficial because then you are not 
you won't fall into uh, traps of plot armor or other kind of convenient things that your character would you need a character to say something just to move or advance the plot along but if you know this character well they wouldn't maybe but it doesn't mean that you can't find a way to still move the plot along you just need to do it naturally through that character so as an actor uh and also just a skill uh or let's just say the skill the a practice of doing that and thinking about that is really informed um the storytelling from a writing point of view now from a visual point of view i think the other thing about from a performance point of view is you'll if you ever talk to a dancer but even in acting there's uh movement there's posture there's structure there's a there's a there's a way that different people carry themselves physically and so if you can tap into those those a couple of little moments inside of a person's just their posture the way that they hold their hands uh it isn't just all facial expressions there's the whole machine is at work there and as an artist you are looking for those things and um that that really helps with the acting especially in, in graphic art storytelling i think uh, you know when uh, or sequential art storytelling you really are as a comic book artist uh, a graphic storyteller um you are that you are the director and you are the actor at the same time uh -huh, uh -huh. it's very similar with animation but it's even more in depth because now we're getting into micro moments of how the toes dance on the ground how the fingers wiggle you know it's an all movement things like that and all of those choices they add up to something they add up to moments and, and then you put a, a wider editorial on it your director eye your writer eye and you make sure that all of those pieces are working together in concert to inform the story or or tone at the very least mm -hmm. but, does that answer it? <laughs> yes, it does. It's really interesting. I think, I think interesting all, to think about. I just think that all of them have their moments where they where they touch, where they where they cross. Mm -hmm. um, but all of those disciplines, every single one of them, require the macro micro kind of switching back and forth. You mm -hmm. can make internal decisions, but then you have to be able to drop back and see where it is fitting in the bigger whole. And ultimately, I think out of all of those disciplines, um, in a in art, line weights, um, what tools and equipment you use too, brushes, pens, all of those things, every single one of those things informs the feeling and the tone. Um, not so much the story, but more about how you're telling the story. Are uh, you telling it with a relaxed voice or a loud screeching voice? And which one does the story require? But those are those are the disciplines inside of each one of them that you have to learn and occupy. But moving back and forth between, uh, like I said, macro and micro is true for all of these things. I think, you know, I think anybody who's done anything creatively, if you can be nimble and move back and forth enough that you don't get lost in the forest, or you don't get lost in just the big idea and don't make smaller details that you know do the work of, of getting granular too. Mm -hmm. Just gotta know or feel when to move back and forth. That's I think the biggest skill that uh I or the thing I've appreciated the most coming from these dis different disciplines is just that ability. I think it 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 eliminates a degree of stagnation, you know, because you never want to get fall, especially when you're 
trying to put something out monthly or you're trying to put something out weekly or something like that, you do find that you find the formula that works to get it done. Uh And then those formulas are things that you later find that you need to murder at some point so that you can can be creative again. So, yeah. Yeah. Has there, has there been a time that you've been creatively involved in a project and you sort of found, found that moment of surprise when the story takes a different direction than you expected or um, where you sort of brought a different approach than what you thought you might? Oh, um, yes, absolutely. And matter of fact, I, I mean, just from a creative philosophy uh, point of view, for me, where true originality comes from, is mistakes when things aren't working the way that you uh, had planned and you've got to problem solve yourself out of those and in problem solving that's usually those discoveries that you're talking about i think is like oh you know what this was this was really actually more this or this is really where this thing should have always been sitting or whatever it it's almost always you're trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole until finally you realize it's a round hole, you right, know, right. and then you deal with it. Um, but that, I think it's also that flexibility thing um, that I was just talking about. And I think that you've been, your question alludes to is, is um, if you're not nimble, if you're not able to, uh, you know, be flexible, if you're just too rigid in, in approach and things like that, you will not allow yourself to notice those mistakes uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then deal with them. And because those are really actually really good stuff is. <laughs> those mistakes are really, really good stuff is. It's where you it's where all of a sudden things break open and they and they they become exciting, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about that movement back and forth to think about the larger picture and just thinking about the collaborative nature of of art and Wondering if there are particular people who have been really generous collaborators, um, supporters as you've been working. You know, um, I think when I first started, because, and I think this is probably a real natural uh, place for anybody who enters a a creative field. You probably experience, well, I'll speak for myself because there might very well be people who have very different experiences. And sometimes I've met them. It's a little bit of the life of the mind. Uh, you spend a great deal of time up in your own head, mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking about stuff, uh, imagining things. And it is in a weird way, a, a way of trying to make sense of everything that's happening around you. And it is a weird way, a way of finding control too. Of those things. And to me, that's a death knell. Control, ultimately. I think that's the big discovery I've made as I've moved through this stuff. A sense that my vision, my I, my single uh, kind of perspective is the one that uh, must be and uh, end all and be all. Um, after having said that, there are important roles that play in any collaboration. The director is somebody who, in a lot of weird ways, I almost compare it to being a therapist in the sense that a therapist sits there and listens to everything and spots the patterns mm-hmm. and says, you know, you hit this point a lot. What do you think about that? And points it out. And it allows the other creative people or the individual to kind of mull on it, think on it, 
problem solve it. So it, it's almost a, it's a it's a odd mixture between being a creative, being able to talk to a creative, but also being a manager in some ways of of the tone and the mood and the point. As long as everybody at the beginning is on the same page of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And if there is a discovery that says, hey, listen, everything's changing, that you talk to everybody and say, this is where we're now trying to go. To me, that is, well, I'll reel it all the way back. I think everything is a collaboration. This whole idea of the single grade individual or the auteur, the, mm-hmm. the person who's all the fountainhead that all things flow from is just fallacy it's just not it's just not the the reality of things so it is about finding a group of people uh having a lot of good conversations about where things are going to go everybody having an opportunity to create creatively pitch in so that they don't feel isolated or left out but there is also like when it comes to uh, certain roles on a film or something like that you know, the, the, everybody can have a great idea for the shot. Somebody ultimately has to make the decision what the shot should be. Mm-hmm. And that should be ultimately the director. But a good director will listen to everybody because they'll spot something. And so, um, and that's part of that being flexible aspect of knowing that your take might not have been the best one. Somebody else had a really great one. Set your ego aside. Listen to it. Go, I was making a mistake. And uh-huh. this is the, this is the answer for it. Because as long as you kind of keep that humility, um, those kind of collaborations are well. I think between community, uh, it's also when something happens that really clicks. Like I could say, "Hey, listen, I came up with Ben Ten. That's great." But I'll tell you right now, what it wound up on the show, what actually the show is, on all the different people. There wasn't a Dave Johnson doing the designs for it. Uh, you know, there weren't uh, Pugsley and Klein doing, you know, bringing in the right, you know, certain elements of the writing on these things, or, or Dwayne McDuffie or any of these things. That show wouldn't be Ben 10. It just wouldn't be. As, these are all of these people added to it. Now, it, you, it has to start somewhere. And then ultimately, there has to be a caretaker who takes it and moves it along. And I think that. You know, if you, nobody's going to care about it more than if it came out of your own head a little bit, you know, so right. you, you won't be on there. But you also have to be uh, totally fine with knowing that other people are going to play with stuff better. <laughs> Sometimes they just will. I think that's important. I just think it's a super important. I've met some people who, uh, who think they are an auteur but then they what they're just not doing is recognizing all the good people that they've surrounded themselves with mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. at least acknowledging they recognize them making a mistake they're just not acknowledging and i do think if you want to have a long career if you want to have a career where you're uh, surrounded by uh, people that you like you care about and uh, they care about you and like that's the kind of life i'd rather live personally than absolutely does that answer your question? Uh, sometimes Great. I ramble. Sometimes I ramble and sometimes lose the thread. So no, no, that's that's great. Great response. Um, you mentioned that you were working on a novel, so I'm curious to hear so, about that. So, in that world of uh, 
collaboration and trying to bring everything in and all the things that I have learned and trying to do it myself, that's what the novels have attempted, right? That is probably the most uh, auteur driven of these creative forces because ultimately it might be a good collaboration with you, your beta readers and our editor, it could be, mm -hmm. uh, but you you can, uh, and should be probably more than likely. Uh, I'm kind of going through that process and making some of those discoveries right now. I've always loved prose. Um, I've always loved language, um, but most of the stuff that I've worked on has always been more of economy type of dialogue. It's very been very sparse, pointed, conversational stuff. Prose allows me to be a little more uh, purple in my in my and I and I do uh, my my particular um, type of novels that I love. I love the big sprawling ones. I love Moby Dick. You know, I love. Yeah those type of books those are the ones that uh, you can get lost in and just kind of let them carry you for a period of time and you kind of feel like you've been put through the ring or you learn something you go on an adventure and you sprawl all over the place to these things so uh, that is the novel that's kind of a novel that i wanted to work on. i wanted to work on something that felt like a meal not a snack and mm -hmm. you when you work on a lot of tv especially animation you got to think very differently I also think for um, some of my my father was a commercial artist and a lot of his stuff was ad campaign kind of things. There's a lot of skill. It's almost like poetry. Uh, I know that there's a crass element to the selling part of it, but where it touches with poetry is that you, it's pregnant with a lot of different thoughts and meanings, each thing. And the animation has that too. Uh -huh. Animation, um, because from a design point of view, let me say, comic book illustration, you can kind of go hog wild. Uh, you get in the textures, move, all of these different things of the layers. Animation, you have to think very differently because you have to replicate that image again and again and again and again. So it is very thoughtful decisions for how thick the line weight is, where, how many, you know, the finger lengths, all of those kind of things. So. That I think is where poetry, um, uh, uh, animation, and uh, commercial marketing uh, all kind of come into place. They're all quick bullet ideas that are just pregnant with a lot of deeper thought. You don't you don't just put you just don't throw stuff at the wall that way, and you don't you don't Jackson Pollock those things. You think about that stuff. Yeah. You're drawing from a deep reservoir. Some of them are probably a little more manipulative. Than other ones, uh, but I think maybe even the good poets know how to manipulate. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, I love that comparison of poetry and animation. That's a a great linking. Love that. You know, everything should ultimately. Well, no, not everything. If you are from a functionality point of view, animation requires that. Uh -huh. uh, uh, it requires that kind of uh, detailed thinking for it to successfully be produced. Um, poetry requires it, I think, ultimately because uh, you know each line needs to have some weight to it. You know, there shouldn't be a extra word <laughs> in a poem, in my mind, uh, which is funny because I don't think I I think about that in the same way I do with novels. It's maybe a little more free form for me, for novels. but anyways. Uh, that is that is that detailed kind of uh, 
that detailed kind of thinking that um, at certain points you have to really uh, delve into and then you have to pull back and see if it's working, right? See if it actually came together. So anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I have one more official question and we can hit anything that we might have missed. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot that we've missed. Um, and so the final question that I always like to leave listeners with is spaces where people can see what you're creating, where they can sort of follow along, um, get updates on the novel as it comes to be and, and things of that nature. Well, um, you know, uh, now that uh, things are starting to move more to uh the uh, social media platforms and things like that. I think um, a man of action starting to think in those terms as far as uh, these platforms being probably where media too is going to be uh, eventually migrate towards was kind of in the brackish waters of the old school way of uh, networks and even HBO a subscription or on the subscription based stuff. But now with the uh, all of these other different types of formats between TikTok and, and YouTube and all of these other kinds of things. It's just busting open how stories can be told, how ideas can be uh, conveyed. And I don't know if you've experienced this. I have some kids. Uh, my youngest doesn't watch TV. Mm -hmm. he, he really doesn't actually watch program TV. He loves all social media. He'll go from little youtube things to TikTok to whatever it is he loves reaction videos he loves all of that kind of stuff. this is where this is where he swims is is in podcasts and 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 stuff like that and i most definitely came from a different place but i'm realizing this is where everybody is going and so to think in those terms as far as story so in that um method and we've been working with a video game company called tiny build on this thing called hello neighbor which um is one of their video games and it's uh it, it's a the basic game is your your next door neighbor is doing something creepy you can hear noises you know something's going on in that house so you keep on sneaking into the house and, and then it's an onion layer what you discover because it's a maze it's uh so you know it's got a lot of 80s horror vibes it's got like people under the stairs uh stranger things kind of aspects what's what's going on over there where, where all the way Probably even before I'm, rear window is probably where my uh, my my biggest uh, uh, influence uh, I draw, but I'm sure that there's even stories older than that. Um, but so we're doing that with them, and we're releasing these shows on their channel, the Tiny Build channel, um, with them. Um, so if you want to catch something that we're doing very immediate right now, present, uh, that's go ongoing over there. And what we've been allowed to do with it is, A, we aren't under any of the constraints that some of the S&P stuff uh, that you might have with cartoons and things like that. Um, doesn't mean that we're gratuitous or anything like that. I think we, you know, once again, you're finding a tone and the proper way to tell a story, but it's a suspense thing. So it's a little, it's, it's, it strays a little older. And its tone and its feeling. I get to pull out my inner Hitchcock because I do a lot of the storyboards on it and things like that. So I get to do a lot more suspense and scary stuff. So very proud of how that's turning. Um, we, uh, if you want to check out a Sonic Crime on Netflix, that's something that's going on right now. Uh, we put that 
that news together. Um, the third season just dropped. Um, we are currently developing three or four things that I can't talk about at the moment. Always exciting. Uh, always exciting. Yeah, always <laughs> exciting. Uh, there's a couple of things that are in the in the pipeline, so to speak, uh, that are coming down. Uh, maybe maybe when I can't talk about them, we can talk about them at some point. Um, but we are working with some really interesting uh, people. I think one of the things that, as we've been kind of moving along, is working with people who know nothing about animation or any of the kind of storytelling. Because I'd love to see their perspectives. I'd love to hear their worldview, how they think about stuff. And then we try and find ways to amalgamize it, you know, to 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 tell it in those things. So, from the man of action point of view, that is one of the things. Then, <laughs> I was, uh, it's always difficult on these ones because Steve Siegel and I are actually working on a comic book at the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. Just doing the illustrations on it. Uh, that'll come out. Well, we'll see when it comes out. Ultimately, um, we're working with uh, Diamond on something. Um, Nick Berucci's company, um, Matt Idelson is our editor on that. So wonderful, writing, wonderful. you know, writing and drawing that. Um, so when I have more on that, I'll talk about it. You know, it's funny when you get in these waves. Right now, all of the things that we have been working on for the past three or four years are the things that are up on on the different platforms, mm -hmm. and we're we're in the generating phase of a lot of stuff. So. I think that that's uh, those those are the things we have two more shows that we'll probably announce sometime in August somewhere around there and also I don't know what time we'll release the comic book the discussions on the comic book but those are the projects I'm currently but on the digital media front uh, we're talking to a couple of different animation houses about starting up our own channel like a man of action channel and working with them very cool very cool so, uh, and just the the different the different ins and outs. It's funny. Uh, the other skill set that I never thought I would ever had no interest in when I was younger, but uh, and now I'm also getting uh, like my old alma mater and a couple of other places asking. So there's entrepreneur degrees that are now coming up uh, at different universities are offering this stuff. It's the mixture between art and commerce uh, on stuff. <laughs> They, they want to have these things and i always thought that the commerce side when i especially when i was younger was uh, so antithetical to what i wanted to do i didn't want to have anything to do with business or any of the <laughs> way that you market and structure that stuff i just wanted nothing to do with it, it abhorrent. and but when you start thinking about yourself as a widget and you should you, you whatever skill sets you put together whatever kinds of things you uh, develop for yourself uh, you need to be able to let people know this is what we do. You can either do that through your work uh, um, and then hope people catch on or you find ways to work with partners strategically and how to to uh, get things out uh, so, uh, so that people can actually see it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a whole business side. So I think that the whole, the whole online media presence thing Right now we have a man of action site so you can just go to uh, .tv, um and see what current books and what different things that we're working on. so uh that's probably the the best way but we'll we'll be constructed we're, we're working on constructing the channel 
at the moment with some partners and and we're going to hopefully do a, a lot of discussions about process uh, from the animation point of view, from storytelling, uh, from visual storytelling, a lot of like classes and things like that as well. So wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, wonderful, Duncan. I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate all the creating that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to the projects that are on the way. Uh, I know that you have a creative vision. So I'm looking forward to seeing how all of that comes to be. Thank you for having me. It was really, uh, it was really a pleasure <laughs> to listen to me gladly. No, no, it, it was great. It was great to hear your, your thoughts, perspectives, and experiences. And glad to have you back anytime. Wonderful. Well, whenever you want me back, I'll be available. Just let me know, and I'll. And when the stuff comes out, I'll give you a little ding and let you know. Hey, this is coming out. That helps. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day or evening for you. Yes. Yes. You do the same. Uh -huh.